Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Okay, so Royce the Five Nine literally just left our apartment. You couldn't wait to do the intro until he left. <laughs> I didn't want to do it in front of him. Yo, you kept looking at your watch. I was like, get out of here. <laughs> anyway, he just left. It's Monday night. Uh, I'd like to put this up sort of on time. Yeah. So I don't want to do a super long intro. I just want to say... Thank you to everybody who's been contributing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash it's the real. It's really been helping us, one, video our podcast, and two, do some more projects that we're really excited about. So if you want to follow us over there, it's patreon.com slash it's the real. And if you do that, by the way, we have set goals, and we are so close to achieving our second goal, which is bringing back those classic it's the real sketches, like the Slaughterhouse one, that everybody loves. So go to youtube.com slash it's the real. Go to patreon.com slash it's the real. Jeff, when you want to get into this episode. Right now. This is live? Huh? This is GarageBand. Oh, this is just like live. I know. That's what Russ said when he was here. Okay. And I'm like, nope, just GarageBand. Same thing that comes in every computer. About to make a beat. <laughs> I know. Let's get it. I don't yeah. even want to do a podcast. Let's just like do. <laughs> um, you good, Jeff? Yeah. Royce, you good? I'm good. All right. Uh... Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Stunt Coordinator, a.k.a. Set Trippin'. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. She Threw It Back On Me, a.k.a. Hot Potato. Yo, what up? <laughs> <laughs> do y'all do that to everybody? Yeah, every single yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we switch it up every single time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What up? This is Royce 5 9 I'm just kicking it in here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's your third favorite podcast to waste time with it's real. Royce, what's happening? Y'all sure I didn't know how to wake some I was sleeping in the trunk. I'm so awake. Now. Yeah, like Yo, two minutes ago. Let me yeah. let me really give you like the greatest honor of all. Mm-hmm. You know, no rappers show up on time. You really? showed up. You showed up a half hour early. And it's an honor and a privilege to be here. No, man. no. Sincerely, thank you yeah. very much. As someone that we've known for man, like a decade, De- now, decade now, it's it's really it's really amazing to have this type of friendship where we can create, you know, sketches together, but also we can have these conversations that are like dope, whether it's you and Primo or you by yourself. Mm-hmm. And look at us now. Look at you guys. Man. <laughs> we got a whole new house. A whole new house. Yeah. <laughs> More space. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. It's okay. Better pictures. Thank you. Well, we actually have any pictures. I know. Yeah. Oh, you didn't have any pictures. <laughs> None. It was not a very even, sad apartment. Not, not even like you set, were there. set somewhere. We wouldn't even we wouldn't even tape in the last apartment. Did these get accumulated during just, oh. o- just over here? Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Right when we moved in yeah. here. Nice. When you were up here last time, we talked about how you rapped for how you were supposed to rap for Redman. Didn't actually rap for Redman. Mm-hmm. Wanted to rap for Redman. <laughs> didn't happen. Um, who has rapped for you that has like gone on to? Become somebody. Nobody. Nobody? Nobody? I don't think so. No one stops you like on the street. No one says like, yo, man. Did anybody rap for me before? That went on to become somebody? I don't think I ever missed that kind of boat. Is this you just trying to be like, just don't rap for me. You're not going to make it? (laughs) No, no, not that. Not that. It's just. (laughs) No, not that. It's just I I don't recall meeting anybody that like rapped that became somebody well, i don't about, think that's like a normal occurrence how about like, how about any like you know cousins who just wanted to rap for you um any distant relatives i mean it worked for big sean no yeah that actually did you know result in something yeah when i met when i met big sean he wasn't that good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i met big sean like a long time ago at um one of my homies he he locked up right now but he had like a building and he used to let them record at it and they told me this whole story about this kid who's like signed to kanye who he Kanye's not paying him any t- attention, and um, I said get him on the phone. I was super drunk. 
I said, get him on the phone. And I got him on the phone. And I was like, yo, man, I just want you to know I got your back. You know what I'm saying? Anything you need from me. And then we ended up doing a song. He came to the studio the next day and we did a song. But I just did that because, I, you know, I'm just into, like, helping Detroit people. And, you know, it wasn't I wasn't even really nothing at that moment. But but drunk. But drunk. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was just trying to, in my drunk mind, like, build some kind of camaraderie. You know what I mean? But I had no idea he was going to become that good. And that famous. Yeah. But finally. He was like. Finally famous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, and you talk about this on the record, and you are wearing the jewelry, but you consider yourself certainly, if not the great, one of the greats. And what what is it that you look to, to, because you've created so many masterful works of art and a catalog that lasts for a long time. So what is it that drives you to be that level of great? Um, I mean, I think it comes with longevity as long as you um as long as you're of the thinking that uh you want to put your best foot forward every time, you know. Um Like have you created a perfect body of work to this point? Mm, I don't know if a perfect body of work is possible. But I talked about this earlier. I think it's possible to have a perfect verse. Like I think Dre's verse on G thing is a perfect verse. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible to have a perfect verse. I think it's possible to have a verse that if you change anything in the verse, it's not right anymore. Yeah. I think there's a such thing as verses that were meant to be. I think there's a such thing as songs that were meant to be. I'm not so sure there's albums. Once it becomes a body of work, it becomes a little more opinion. With this project, everyone's been talking about the fact that you not only are the lyricist, but you're also doing the production. Is that part of this idea where it's like you can be more perfect? By being more in control? Well, you've you've achieved so much already as an MC. What is there left to do but become more in control? Ah, uh, no. Is that what he thinks we think? <laughs> what we think? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just, I just, it just sort of happens. You know what I mean? Like I, um, it's funny y'all ask me this. Y'all must be thinkers, man, because we, I don't think this much. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. It, it's just, you know, I'm just sitting around the studio. You know, like I know y'all think us rappers are so much fun. I'm the most boring motherfucker <laughs> in the world. Oh no, we've met. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So you know, like I'm sitting around the studio. I'm just chilling and and um. Actually, I can't think of anything lyrically because I did book Orion and what am I what am I gonna talk about now? Nothing's making me fulfilled. So and that's fine. So I'm just chilling, watching TV. I got the TV, the videos playing with no sound. That's fun, right? Boring. <laughs> so I'm I'm just chilling and somebody makes a joke, like says something about getting some equipment or something. So I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go get some equipment. I go get some fucking equipment. I go get the Ableton, bring it back. I call DJ Premier. I make a joke to DJ Premier. Yo, I'm on your ass, fool. <laughs> I'm producing. He's like, man, what'd you get? I said, I got Ableton. <laughs> take Ableton back and get MPC 60. I'm like, why? Just take Ableton back. So I take the Ableton back. I get the MPC studio rather, not 60, MPC studio. I come back. Um, I sit on uh, FaceTime with DJ Premier for about two hours, right? <laughs> so he walk, he's walking me through how to use it. 
Um, I get it down well enough to where I can program drum loops, play around a little bit. So, you know, I was just messing around with it. Went on tour with Marshall, came back. Mr. Porter came and showed me Logic. Which looks just like this. Oh, he's biracial. <laughs> Once I learned this, and this is a lot like Pro Tools as well. You've yeah. seen Pro Tools, yes, right? This yeah. is a lot like Pro Tools, and yeah. I fell in love with that because it's like language that I understand. You can visualize it. Yes. Yeah. So once I learned logic, now I'm working on something that I don't have to call everybody and ask questions. <laughs> I can just practice. Yeah. I love to practice. <laughs> Practice well, is fun. What made you get Ableton in the first place? Like, had you had seen somebody else using my it? Other, my other DJ, I'm, uh, apparently I'm finding out that it's DJ friendly. <laughs> so my other DJ told me to get it. So mm -hmm. I got, he told me it would be easy. Yeah. I go get idiot. it. <laughs> you got to talk to DJ Premier first. <laughs> so and he'll I, be like, no. I go get it. And I call Prem and Prem is like, no. Take that shit back. So in, in constructing this album, does making an actual song from scratch leads you to know what to talk about? Not necessarily. Um, I started out just practicing, making beats, whack beat after whack beat after whack beat. Then they start getting a little better. Now I'm in there like, oh, <laughs> right? And then um, I start coming up with a few beats that I like. I ran into the problem of not being able to come up with nothing to the beats I like. So I'm like, all right. So I I hit Porter up and was like, yo, what do you do when you got beats that you like, but you can't come up with nothing to them? He's like, you gotta Give write. Give him to Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yeah, you're right. He was like, you gotta, <laughs> he was like, you gotta come up, you gotta write to the skeleton. Y'all know what a skeleton is, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You gotta write to the skeleton, man. As soon as, like, as soon as you got something going, just start writing. I said, all right, I'm gonna try that. So I got a song called I Don't Age on the album. Mm -hmm. That's what I did with that song. So that was the first beat that I made, that I liked, that I wrote to, that I made a song to. Wow. How so, long was the process of between like the starting of getting Ableton to where we are today? Uh, maybe a little over a year. Wow. Like yeah. Yo, and people are going crazy over your production, by the way. Are they? Yes. How do you guys feel about it? I think it's dope. I think that it's, it's interesting because... I wouldn't have pegged you to make some of those tracks. Really? I wouldn't have thought that you liked the the way that it would have gone, but clearly it's in your head to go in that direction. Not all of it. I mean, well, content-wise, content-wise, but sonically, remember, and it's good that I did this project this early because sonically I'm doing what the equipment will allow me to do, not what I'm making the equipment do. I'm not good enough to make the equipment do what's in my head. Yeah. Mr. Porter? Mm-hmm. Whatever's in his head, that's exactly what you're gonna hear because he is a master. He has he has it on a string. With me, not yet. So, so there's a recklessness there. Sometimes things just land there. And I'm like, oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it feels like that. Are you cool with that? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so when you listen, do you hear mistakes? Yeah. But is is that with every project? Mm -hmm. Like if you listen to like some of your old stuff. Or are you just like yes? I would vocally, yeah. vocally, I can hear mistakes. Listening to things, listening to things in retrospect. Um, now, I can hear mistakes sonically. Some of them, some of them sound good. Some of them, mistakes aren't always bad. Agreed. Sometimes, if you do something vocally and you make a mistake and you tell yourself, "Oh, I'm gonna fix that," and you go back and try and fix it, and you can't even fix it because the cleaner version sounds too clean. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Sometimes the energy is just gone. You gotta know. Yeah. You gotta know when it's just right. 
Well, how'd you know when it was time to turn it in? Because you don't have anybody to answer to, right? It's just you. I got people whose opinion I value. I run stuff by Kino. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Mr. P- I don't know. I have <laughs> fucking no idea. Damn, but, and then, you know, Mr. Porter, um, my man, uh, Prem, you know, I sent, I sent everything to Prem and just let him give me notes like we do on the Prime albums. Were so you he sent me back like a long email, like turn the kick up on that one, turn the snare down. Well, how much do you agree with him and how much are you just like? I did everything he said. Everything. For this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with shit he says on Prime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we argue about everything on that. But What's the dumbest argument you guys have uh, had? About music? About anything. We don't perfectly, have dumb arguments. Perfectly not about music. <laughs> you Prime. guys were arguing about like, what's your favorite Disney movie? <laughs> um, I think Driving. Me- there, there was one time, and it was just because I was young and stupid. Um, you remember Ed O.G. from the Bulldog? Ed yep. O.G. and the Bulldog? Legend from mm-hmm. Boston. I dissed Ed O.G. because he said something about Joe. So Prem called me, and he was mad at me, and he made me apologize to him. But I wasn't going to at first. You did not agree with that. I did not agree with that. <laughs> now, in retrospect, what was my problem? <laughs> yeah. But at that moment, you know, I was just young, man, young and drunk. Well, what do you? What Prem was like, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> dum, 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 dum. Like, nah, man, I want you to apologize to him, man. That's not right. I was like, what the fuck I got to apologize for? <laughs> Apologizing because I'm telling you I want you to apologize. Why are you just going to tell me I can apologize? It was like big brother, little brother. Type. Yeah. And he won, as he should. Yeah. What do you miss about being in a full-time group? Um, I miss the camaraderie. A little bit. I miss the camaraderie a little bit. Um, I don't miss getting outwrapped by Crooked Eye on everything. <laughs> uh, I miss Joe's antics a little bit. Um, Joel is extremely funny. Mm-hmm. People yep. don't know that. Um, I mean, he stole the show in uh, in the thing that we did together. Yeah, yeah I yeah, think look, that's always that's all. anything we do like that. Yeah, forget about it. And um, I mean, some of the some of the touring stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, I just miss, I miss not having to do as much work. So if you were if you, if you were on the studio for a night, like you just enjoyed the being there with them and like trying to. Man, I'd do a project with Slaughterhouse for for free, and not put it out. We had, you that's did. how much. Yeah, we didn't finish it, but I would actually I would actually finish one for free. Because <laughs> we have fun. We have fun when we work. I do, same with Marshall and Preen. I do projects with them for free because I have fun. Have, Fun. have you been in a session that was just like so excruciating that you're just like, yo, I, I don't even want to be here. Like the music is not making this fun. The the crowd is not making it fun. The atmosphere is not making it fun. I'm sure I've been in plenty of those, usually in feature situations. Yeah. Um, Not lately, but. Yeah. No, but especially like when you were probably coming up yes. and you were in like, you know. Very bad. Signed to a label. Very, very, very bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Especially being out on the road, drunk after a show, just trying to pick up some extra money. Sure. You're in some environment, somebody's basement, you know, it's a pair of socks right there. You <laughs> but know that's inspiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it inspiring? I don't know. It takes you to some weird places. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you at a place now when, I mean, clearly like I've, I've heard you talking in other interviews about going to therapy. Mm-hmm. You're very open on this project. Are you at a place now where you were like, nothing is out of bounds and I have a freedom to share everything that's on my mind? Yeah, I didn't necessarily have to tell myself that. I'm, I'm usually that way when I'm, uh, when I'm creating. See, the thing is just every album is indicative of where I am at the time. 
So um, there are certain things that I wouldn't think to share. Either they won't be on my mind or I'm just not either mature enough or polished enough to be able to express myself in that way. So what therapy does is it allow, it helps you to open up and uh, it helps you to communicate through the music. Just like how when you go to therapy, it helps you communicate. It's the same thing with the music. And then, you know, the more things I'm tr I'm trying, the more doors I'm opening up. I just, I don't know what it is about me, man. I just got a way of just kind of like picking up tools and kind of hoarding them and then learning how to pull each tool out and use them as I need to. I'm just learning how to do that. Some guys come in and they already equipped that way. Like Kendrick, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Kendrick came in with a whole fucking plethora of things like, ah, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and I'm just kind of picking them up as I go. But isn't that like that there wasn't a you before you and so like Kendrick's able to pick up stuff from you and, and you know, people of your generation? Yeah, I think um, I think there's probably a few things Kendrick picked up from me, but I do hear a lot of things he picked up from Marshall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, Marshall came in like an open book, you know what I mean? And, and it wasn't, I don't even know if he knew he was doing it. He's just a transparent lyricist. Um, hmm. Everybody doesn't know how to do that. Like he tell he used to tell me stories about like, there was some shit that happened. It was like his neighbor got into it with his wife and they were like on the, I don't know, grass arguing with each other or something. And somebody, the police came and it was like this big thing. And he told me he wrote a song about it. I'm like, oh, so you've been doing this. <laughs> you've been writing about your experiences. I didn't start writing about my experiences until my second record, third record deal. Did you have A&Rs who were like pushing you to be no, more open? I had A&Rs, but they didn't push me to do anything. <laughs> what they do? Yeah. Oh, they, they just gave you yeah. the bottles? They yeah. just paid the bills. Paid Her the studio bill and paid stuff. By the way, that's a pretty good uh, you know, A&R. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an A&R that at least did something. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. You recorded with Pharrell. Yes. You, you had cl clip stuff. You were down in Virginia. I was Tommy Boy on, didn't get it, but you still I was still working record. on a chronic with Dre. Who? I, I mean, I, I seen. Who arranged for those things? Dre reached out to me directly. Um, I was sitting at my desk in my room at, at my mom's house, at my dad, mom, mom and dad's house, and I'm just sitting there and I'm chilling. Um, I can't remember what I was doing. I probably was playing with some action figures or something. I did that until like a really, really old age. I just never told nobody. <laughs> so, so my dad came That's into our the headline. <laughs> so my dad came into the room. Was like Ryan. I'm like, yeah. He like. Dre is on the phone for you? On the landline? Like, like who? <laughs> so he gave me the phone and I get the phone. I'm like, hello? I'm like, sup? <laughs> I'm like, sup? He's like, it's Dre. I'm like, holy shit. See, the thing, I was about to do a deal with Herbie Lovebug. You remember him? Yes. Herbie Lovebug, I was about to do a deal with him. You didn't know that, did you? No. No. Do your Googles. Yeah. yeah. I don't so, know anything. <laughs> so I was about to do a deal with Herbie Lovebug, and for some reason, he did, were you talking to Rick on the phone when I was asleep? The fuck? Ruben? No. Oh. <laughs> Who do you think I am, man? I don't know. Dr. Dr. Dre's calling you, so yeah. <laughs> so oh, you're the, reason, the reason why I asked Kino that is because Rick is who I was signed to. The production deal I was signed to was through, I was signed to his production deal. I was staying with him in New York. In New York. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and him, we went and did labels with, we went and did meetings with every label in New York. And I was in, I was going to meetings, rapping, taking my shirt off, like jumping up on shit. Bobby Schmurda. There you go. Yo. Yeah. That's why I never laughed at that. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't funny to me. 
By the way, could you relate to all the executives around who were just staring? Yeah, looking like, like looking like with their phones out. Hmm. Yeah, so I met with Herbie Lovebug. Um, he was the only one who showed um, any type of appreciation for the music. Everybody else just seemed a little unsure. So um, it was like, all right, yeah, I want to do this. And then he just went dark on us. And while we were waiting, I was on the phone with Marshall. This was after he signed his deal with Dre. And I told him that I... That I'm about to, I'm about to get it. I got a deal too. Yeah, about to sign with Herbie Lovebug. Yeah, he's like with. <laughs> I was like Herbie Lovebug. He's like, dog, you're not signing to no Herbie Lovebug. Fuck that, you're yeah. not signing. And then that's when I heard from Dre. So he went and played my demo for Dre, but he didn't tell me, so I could be surprised when Dre called me. And boy, you were you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was. I was. So that that phone call results in what? It results in he asked me if I was interested in coming out and helping out. Um, working on the album, so that's how I ended up working on the Chronic. I spent a lot of time out there too. I can't. I went back and forth like a couple times. That's got to be out of this world, like just yeah. like beyond comprehension. Nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah. First time being in a mansion. First time being in L.A. In L.A. Um, one of my first time. Well, one. It was like my first one of my first times being on an airplane. I probably had been on an airplane maybe three or four times. I think you came to New York first. Yeah, just yeah. a few times. Yeah, yeah. just a couple times. Yeah. But you're out there and, I mean, are, are you able to, you're 19 or 20, mm-hmm. are you able to be professional or are you just sort of like, I don't know, stuck because you're taking it all in? I was being a fan. Yeah. That's definite. I mean, you know, as far as being professional, one one great thing I can say about that, um, about that time, Dre didn't create a sort of environment that made you feel like you needed to be professional. You know, it was just like, it was laid back, it was chill. No pressure. Um, nowhere near as picky as he is now. You know how a lot of people be like, man, Dre just Dre yeah. be picky, man. Yeah. Puff was picky. Yeah. <laughs> Dre wasn't picky. He was chill. he used to be just chill. Even so if then he what didn't, changed? Was it just like time? I don't know. Cause I don't I haven't worked with the new Dre mm-hmm. that yeah. much, but I can imagine just as an artist, he's just accomplished too much, man. Yeah. yeah. And then as you get a little bit older, you get a little smarter, you get a little wiser, you start to use a little more of this than this. So when you're growing up and you're going to all these battles in Detroit, mm-hmm. every week, you're there. I'm going to open mics, not necessarily battles, but okay. it could be a battle okay. at any moment. A lot of rivalry. A lot of rivalry. Between the open mic people? Mm-hmm. I was one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what was what was the community within, like, the open mic, like, circuit? Like, how many people did you, would you say you knew? Mm, I, I, by the time... It got to a point where everybody just knew everybody. I knew everybody. I was popular. I was the youngin, but I was popular. Everybody knew everybody. And it was, our hip hop community was small, but it's like we seen each other at least twice a week. Did it feel like there was something more than that? Or was it just like, we're just going to keep doing this just because it feels good? When you say more than that, you mean in terms of what? Meaning like. People getting record deals? Yeah. Like, not, I mean, because, you know, Detroit before you and Marshall not much. Not much. Good point. Good point. So I mean, like you know, our A and R is coming out there. Probably not. <laughs> so I mean, like, yeah, it's, 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 uh, like what? What is the end goal? It's just like to to get to New York or to L A. Probably. Or maybe there's a local label, right? No, but I like that question. I like that question because <laughs> thank um, God. <laughs> because because um, there was an end goal um, back then. The goal was always to get a record deal. So Proof had had a record deal with Tommy Boy prior to, um, 
there was a couple couple situations where some people were five Ella had like a little situation. It was like little ramblings of people getting little situations. But when Marshall signed his deal, he opened up the door in a way where every single person from my generation, and I mean every person that would that I seen at the hip hop shop from my generation, and just period, got ended up getting a record deal. Did you you ever thought about that? Everybody. Name them. <laughs> The, the clinic, but Big Buck stopped rapping though. He stopped rapping. He wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't rapping that long after that. So you had Slum Village, all of Slum Village. Yeah. T three by ten. Elzai, JD was on. All of all of all of D twelve. Um, there was just a run on Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Artists. Yeah. And it's still going. It's still going. We got a. We got a. We got shine on the city right now. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? Detroit street rap. Then you got the uh, you got the guys that rap about the, the, the white collar crime and shit. Yeah, you got that. That's a whole different subgenre that I de- didn't even know would exist. Yeah, I love it, man. But in that time, what was the worst thing that someone like you were afraid that someone would call you out for? When I was in high school, I was in a talent show, right? And um, I was supposed to <laughs> I was supposed to wear. Um, I, I just had on a basketball jersey, some, some basketball shorts, and I was supposed to like come out during somebody's, some girl asked us to come out or something. I can't remember exactly what I was supposed to be doing, but I somehow end up doing the Tootsie Roll. You remember Tootsie Roll? <laughs> I sure do. 69 boys? Wait, yeah, in case anybody doesn't know, you know, we're filming it. Why don't you just show everybody? <laughs> show everybody with the Tootsie Roll. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? I, you, say, you say you don't age. <laughs> you, don't, you don't believe me. Bro, I was on stage Tootsie Rolling. <laughs> Did you ever see that tape? You seen it? <laughs> yeah, I was Tootsie Rolling. So back then, I was just thinking to myself, I hope nobody ever sees that tape. Yeah. They can see it now. I don't yeah. care. I can't be Were you nice with it? I was, yeah, I was pretty good. Yeah. I was pretty good. I couldn't break it down in anything else and then like yeah, that. But I yeah. mean, I, I had the girl screaming. If that's a worth anything, yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. that. Means a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever cross any lines, like going after anybody in terms of like content, just to in terms of like maybe dissing somebody? Yeah. Um, I had the propensity to. I don't think that I've ever did though. Well, like I, making fun of somebody's lupus or something. Yeah, I would. I would have done something like that. I wouldn't do that now, but I would have done something like that. But especially sure. with such a, a tight knit community, it's like you really know these people, and eventually you knew everybody. So it's oh, just you like, mean back then? Yeah, yeah, back then. Oh, I thought you just meant period. No, yeah. Back oh, then. back then, yeah. Yeah, when you went after Ed OG, <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. Yeah. But yeah, we we um yeah, I got in we we we, uh, we had a battle and we got into a big fight, man. We tore the whole club up. Really? I would say that's going too far. I threw the first punch, but. <laughs> The reason why was because it was a guy, I, he got in my face, and he wasn't a rapper. He got in my face. See, I let them finish rapping. They yeah. did their whole set about me, and I had to sit there and watch it. I mean, you didn't have to. Yeah, see? And it was good. That Man, made it worse. That yeah. stings, yeah. Because they can rap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I had to sit there and listen to top-tier rappers kick my ass. <laughs> the only way to get retribution. And I, yeah, and I got to wait so I can do my rap. So I go up there after they're done to do my, you know, to do my... uh. What do you call it? My uh, make fun rebuttal. of rebuttal. Yeah. 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 So I go up there, you know, and mine was good too. And then one of the guys that was with them who don't rap decided he was gonna come on stage while I'm rapping and get in my face while I'm rapping. 
you never should have did that. <laughs> yeah. So one thing led to another. Next thing you know, we all fighting like a bunch of crazy kids. Damn. How did it end? Not in not in gun violence or anything. No, no, no. But like not able to come back to that club, certainly. Oh, yeah. We oh. <laughs> just a fight. A couple chairs broken. A couple tables broken. You know, like complete pandemonium. Juan said he had a tape of that, too. I love to see that. Okay, so that means two like, tapes we got to get out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, I was like, well, where did I look? He was like, you was real skinny, and you had on a fatigue, a whole fatigue outfit. Jacket, pants. My beep. <laughs> oh, man, this is 95. What is this, 95, 96? My beep, bro. Come on, let's go. Yo, your dad was in the Army. Yes. What did he think when you were walking around in fatigues for just, like, sport? He never said, and I never drew a correlation <laughs> between the two. I'm glad you just did that. Now I got like, something to think about. What are you, why are you wearing those? <laughs> That's work clothes for me. I used to wear the fatigue, and I um I used to walk around with the bulletproof vest on too, outside of my shirt, like Jay Z. Um, <laughs> what DVD was that? What DVD was that where Jay Z? Uh, Streets is watching. Streets is watching. Yeah. yeah. He had he had the Porsche, and um he wore yeah. the leather jacket. He wore the leather jacket with the uh, with the with the bulletproof vest on outside of the shirt. <laughs> so I wore the bulletproof vest outside the shirt, and then I just wore fatigue. What was the first time meeting Jay like? First time what? Meeting Jay like. I never really met Jay. Never? Not not really. Not to this day? I talked to I talked to him one time where when um and I didn't really talk to him. We seen him at the um at the base at a baseball game. Is that the tape? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Is, is it This is when we had Keno dressed like us. Is for like Halloween? Nah, he Oh wow. <laughs> And we we used to steal like all no we used to steal all this stuff by the way. There was like a there was like a store like an army navy store. <laughs> yeah, but there was like a store that had the bulletproof vest. It was like a federal store, and we used to go in there and steal vests. Those they're like heavy, right? No, they're not that heavy. They just had plate. They had a plate, a plate right here, like a chest plate. Right. Like um, everything else was Kevlar, but there was a plate to protect the heart. Right. So in case you get hit there, but um, it, they no, they weren't that heavy. Okay, so first time you sort of cross paths with Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, I seen him. I seen him at the uh, baseball game when uh, him and Marshall were uh, at Yankee Stadium. They were. They were. I think they were announcing that they were going to do shows together. Mm-hmm. So they had to go to the baseball game. I believe that's why those two were there. So mm-hmm. they he Jay walked in the room and he seen me in the nine and we shook his hand. I said, "Yo," I said, "Hey, what's up, Jay? Respect." He said, "For sure, respect." And he shook Denine's hand, and then him and Marshall start having a very weird conversation. <laughs> and I was just standing there, <laughs> and we ended up walking together with the camera filming us. Oh. So I remember Jay Z telling Denine, "Like, this is the walk of shame, huh?" <laughs> and we just laughed, and that was my conversation with Jay Z. Damn, over twenty years. That's crazy. Oh, and another time, I was really drunk in the club. And um, he came in the club, and I had like a little section because I was the man in there until he <laughs> walked yeah. in. Hell yeah! Oh. And when he walked in, I was drunk. I was way across the club somewhere talking to a girl or something. And my man Rick, who he was on the phone with, who we haven't spoke to in a long time, Ruben, <laughs> not Ruben. <laughs> so, so my man Rick was like, Jay was about to come, and they were gonna give Jay my section. And Rick was like, "Man, don't take our." <laughs> He was like, don't take our section, Jay. He was like, yo, this is, 
this Royce the Five Nine section, man. You know Royce the Five Nine, don't you? Did you know about that? He's the guy you took a walk of shame with. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, this is Royce the Five Nine section, man. Don't take our, don't take a section. Jay was like, oh, I know Royce, man. Yeah, keep doing your thing, man. Go ahead and keep the section. And then he bought the club. And he didn't take yeah. our yeah, section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later he probably bought the club. <laughs> Did you send him a bottle? No, I didn't even know anything about it until we left the club. I had no idea. I was, I don't, I, didn't, I had no idea. But that's my other Jay Z story. Yeah. yeah. And if any more come to me during the interview, I'll yeah. be sure to let you know. Yeah, Please thank do. you. Yeah. Is that something where like, is there a part of you that that feels like you would want that friendship with Jay? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What? That's like the big brother that I've never had. I got a big brother, but he doesn't act like Jay Z. No. He doesn't wear fatigues. Nope. <laughs> well, what'd you think when you he heard- He doesn't own anything. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What'd you think when you heard 444 for the first time? I thought it was a um, very responsible album. I thought it was a very responsible album. I thought that he was uh, leading by example. Um, of course, I was very critical um, about some of the technical aspects of it until I was able to hear it a little bit later in retrospect, like, ah. Okay, so it did make sense to just leave certain things. It's like what we talked about. You don't have to go back and fix everything. And it's, it had been so long since I heard a Jay-Z album, I expected everything to be perfect because that's what I'm used to hearing him do. Technically, everything being perfect, everything landing perfect, everything being really, really clean. And I was like, I hope this doesn't mean that he's rusty. Nah, it didn't mean he was rusty at all. It just meant this is a this is a more personal approach and this is a more organic leave it as it is kind of approach. You yeah. Know, yeah. So. And I mean like that's sort of like, you know, what we were talking about with Dr. Dre, where it's just like, you know, people probably if they heard a Dre album now, like, mm-hmm. you know, what 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 happened with uh with the Compton album, where mm-hmm. it's just like it just comes and goes and, you yeah. know, it doesn't live up to the expectations that you want it to. Because mm-hmm. it's just so enormous. The Compton album was um I thought was a pretty good album. I thought it was solid. I thought sonically it was beautiful. I just felt like um when I hear Dr. Dre album, I want to hear Dr. Dre. Hmm. Okay, so the whole theory about you have to appeal to the youth, yeah. that does not apply to Dr. Dre. I don't care what anybody says. I know everybody thinks that they're that they're like, you know, experts and shit. But when I hear Dr. Dre using like deliveries that kids now used, some of the little nuanced deliveries, I don't prefer that as a as a Dre fan. I don't want to hear him like that. I don't want to hear Dre make an album where he's not saying, hell yeah, yeah. at least 15 <laughs> times. I'm sorry. Do you prefer G-Funk Dre or like 2001 Dre? They're, it's the same. Okay. It's the same. It's the same. And I can understand why um, him or somebody maybe that's around would be like, nah, you don't want to do, you don't want to say, hell yeah, because then you'll sound dated. Right. But it's not dated when you, what you did is classic. Right. You can't abandon that. Right. It's just little rules. Yeah. It's just little rules. I mean, do you take that same advice for yourself? Like, do you feel like you're trying to uh, appeal to a younger generation also or no? I don't, I don't care about the younger generation. I, I care about the younger generation, but I don't, I'm not waking up thinking about them being my fans. I'm more, when I think about the younger generation, I'm thinking about mentoring them and, and trying to give them certain bits of information. But in terms of them being able to connect directly to my music, especially when you're talking about somebody that's 18, 19, 20 years old, a lot of times you got to kind of look at it like, how can we relate to each other? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, maybe I can relate to you because I've been where you are, but you have not been where I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
you have not been through what I've been through. So a lot of things that I speak about, there's a certain pain that I don't expect them to understand yet. So what I do is I try to make something that they can grow into. What I make, hopefully it'll just, it'll, it'll be there. Well, it'll on that topic, time. like how did the, the various Griselda things happen? Griselda, um, I just, as soon as I heard them, I reached out. This was, uh, shit, 2015? Early. Uh, probably 20, yeah. I had them on a, um, on a project called Trust the Shooter way back in the day, right right before my Layers album. So um, I distinctly remember doing a Breakfast Club interview and talking about them, and they were just looking at me like, who? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Now it's like, hey, yeah, 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 refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lyrics so. are back, finally. <laughs> yep. These guys came out of nowhere, yeah. Buffalo. <laughs> but as soon as I heard them, I was like, man, this is just, it's like a hybrid of many. They like they like hybrids of many things. Do you connect with them because they're they're old souls? You think? Um, I mean, I I like the music. I I like it. It's 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 different, but it has nuances of things that I've heard before, all kind of like fused together. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got them, when I put them on the joint, which I do that a lot, but I asked them if they could come perform with me at SOBs for that for that album, and they came. And we got to kind of know each other at the show because prior to we hadn't really spoke much, spoken much. I mean, you know, I reached out through Micron. He sent the joint. They sent it back. Yeah. But when I got a chance to, like, kick it with them, I just really liked the cool dudes. Yeah. You know, and we had a relationship ever since then. And um, by the time they signed the Shady, I was real cool with them. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Paul knew that. Really? No. That's crazy. I was real cool with them. Yo, what's Alchemist is the one. I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. Al- Alchemist was the one who put me up on them on the plane. Mm. Um, I want to say I remember him playing it for all of us. Marshall too, but whatever the case, Paul ended up hearing him some through somewhere else. I don't know, but back then I, I've been to about him. Al-, Al always used to listen to them on the plane. Are you surprised, like in today's day and age, right, where there's no artist development? people get a real 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 short leash mm-hmm. like fans don't give people a chance labels don't give people a chance are you surprised that a group like Griselda each one of them each one of those guys individually and as a group are given this chance to develop same with like uh J. Cole in Dreamville like those mm-hmm. guys like sales is not the most important thing it's like let them develop let them grow an audience and eventually you know Breakfast Club may not know them four years ago but mm-hmm. When they hit, they hit, and now right. you can't get rid of them. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I think um, if anything is telling, you know, it's a testament to um, the people at the labels. A lot of these people at the labels, they just need to smarten up, man. You know, like no disrespect. But we don't need, work at the labels. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, no disrespect. That's very nice yeah, of you. Yeah. I don't mean to disrespect anyone because I know you guys probably got friends and associates. We do. Well, yes. we had one, but then he just left Def Jam. <laughs> what about your political? What about your other political connects? Because that person who left Def Jam made it to where I probably may not have any political connects anymore. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I know some people at some labels. There's some good people at labels. There's some yeah, good. There's agree. some good executives. Some people do good jobs. Yeah, there's some good executives. Um, but there's mostly bad ones, and there's a lot of people who work at labels who don't know shit. So and from but from your experience though, you went through how many record deals? A lot. I'm still counting, man. <laughs> I'm looking to rack up a few before this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, 
people had expectations, people didn't do their jobs, people didn't let you do what you do. I mean, that's got to well, be the most frustrating thing. But also, were there people within those organizations who did, like, champion you, who who were on your side, like, who you, like... Who yeah, was there one person, the Tommy Boy, who was on your side? Um, shit, I don't even remember. Tom Silverman? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Silverman let us use his apartment. Well, I don't know what he did that for, <laughs> but but um for yeah, I mean, yo, man, I'm I'm thankful at the opportunity they gave me, man, because they they put the farm they bet the farm on me in a, in, in many ways, you know, especially financially. And um, uh, I just wish did I was you feel little, that way in your shoulders at the time. No, no, I wish I was a little bit more um uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I wish I didn't think so short-sighted back then. Mm. You know, I wish I was a little bit more of a visionary. And um, I wish I didn't trash his apartment like that. How did you trash his apartment? It wasn't my fault, man. <laughs> you threw the first punch. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Not this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had company over <laughs> from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh. So all my boys came in from Detroit. I believe it was the night Marshall won the Moon Man for the first time. And everybody was there and everybody was excited. And one thing led to another. Two of my guys are fighting with each other. And then one of my guys pulls another one of my guys all the way into the bathroom because he didn't want people to see us fighting. (laughs) I mean, us to see them fighting. Sure. So he pulled him into the bathroom and slammed the door in one swoop. And all I hear is commotion in the bathroom. (laughs) Were they drowning? (laughs) No, no water was involved, but that's the best sound effect I could give. Why is this guy being so critical? Yeah, really. <laughs> I do want to hear mistakes I'll, are okay. <laughs> yeah, I do want to hear your other impressions after this. Okay. <laughs> so all yours. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a fight. <laughs> no, it's a Joe Budden podcast. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm like, should I open the door? Like, what? I know he didn't lock it. I know he don't got that gift. So, so I'm like, I have, I wait, and they come out, and by the time they come out, they already made up. So apparently, they were in there fighting, hugging, shaking hands. Talking, rebuilding, know. you know, yeah, building yeah. the pyramid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they came out, and then um, they were cool. And then I went in the bathroom. The bathroom wasn't cool. Oh, like the shower, everything was, t- everything that was up was down. <laughs> okay, and then it was just like we didn't take real good. Kino always tried to clean up a little bit, but <laughs> that wasn't enough. You know what I'm saying? By the time the cleaning lady came. I believe she left. She wrote a report to the label to Tom Silverman, and what she wrote on the report was, "Your apartment looks like a crack house." Wow! 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 And that was the end of your time at Tommy Boy. <laughs> but congratulations That's to correct. Eminem yeah, on yeah, his yeah, moon yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> what is the most '90s verbiage that you still use? Like, is there a term? Is there like a phrase? Like John Blaze? John '90s? Blaise. '90s? You call people B? I still say dog. Dog. Yeah, that, I still say dog. I was weird. on the phone with Prem a couple nights ago. He said Steez. Yeah, all right. Yeah. He said Steez, and I was almost hung up on him. <laughs> but I had to remember that he he architected the golden era sound. Oh, come on. So just because of that is why I didn't hang up on him. <laughs> you had to remember that. I had to remember that. Yeah. I had to remember I'm talking to DJ Premier. Yo, I, it still doesn't sink in to me sometimes, man. Like, sometimes I still... Get fanned out talking to Prem on FaceTime. Even though, like, you've done yep. numerous things with him. Because he's always telling me stories. Yeah. He's always telling me old stories. And when he's telling me these stories, I'm like, damn, man, like, somebody would probably pay him to hear this story. 
And then like the stories put it in perspective for me always at that moment. I'm talking to DJ Premier right now. He's telling me a classic story. Yeah. Yeah. Who's somebody else that like, you know, you've you've always wanted to work with, still haven't worked. I know it's a very basic question, but I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, you probably have interesting answers. Nas. Um Jay Z. Have, have you met Nas? Yes, I met Nas. <laughs> I met Nas. Yeah. Be, because we were both on Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they told me But I mean, but have you met Beyonce? I did meet Beyonce. I did meet Beyonce, yes. Not, not because you guys were both on Columbia. <laughs> That's probably the only reason. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, did, did you meet her during like that whole run? Destiny's Child. And- do you remember Carmen Hip Hopera? Yes. I sure do. Were you there? Did you write what it? Mean, was I there? I did the opening song. You don't remember watching the beginning of it? No. First of all, <laughs> I feel like you're overvaluing how much of a fan I am of <laughs> Carmen Hip Hopera. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so listen. Do I not remember the opening song? No, yeah. I don't remember the opening song. It was of- boom, bro. Yeah. It was boom. It was boom. With all due all respect. Right. Yeah, so you you don't remember the version of boom with the hook on it? No. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. Y'all said don't, don't hit the table, right? Good. So, so you know, there, there was a party for the Carmen Hip Hopera joint. Mm-hmm. I did the opening song, which was boom. Uh, Beyonce was starring in the movie, yep. obviously. We yep. all know that. We yeah. can agree on that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I seen her. At the party with Rod Digger. She was with Rod Digger and uh, I think two other girls and she was with security and I was drunk. <laughs> so so I decided I was going to go introduce myself. So I went and I introduced myself and that's all I really remember. But um, somebody that was with me was like, yo, man, it seemed like you was doing you was doing pretty good, man. She was <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and um, I went over there and introduced myself. We talked for a minute, and then next thing you know, the security was like, "All right, that's enough." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, <laughs> "Have was- you not seen the?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. That's my Beyonce story. I mean, since you're so good friends with Beyonce, but, but listen, not to you cut you off, with Jay. Not yeah. to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, this was, and let me clarify this. This was back when she was being objectified. She's just a queen. Now. Oh, yeah. 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 Nobody oh, yeah. lusts after her now. No. But back then, right. yeah. she was an object of everyone's desire. Right. So yeah. I wonder, sure. yeah. 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 So that's what that was. And she was your label mate. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, she's part of the Columbia family. That's right. <laughs> and she was like, you know, she just seemed really approachable. Yeah. You know, and you get a lot of courage when you're drinking. Well, what's the biggest thing that changed when you stopped drinking? Um, My judge of character is the biggest. You had friendships that were not great beforehand? Um, yeah, but see, you know, there's this thing where people feel, people think that when you sober up, then you have to make effort to get rid of certain people. But those people, they get rid of themselves. It's relatively easy. They don't want to stick around because they can't take advantage of you the same, you know? Oh, there was a conscious decision to do that on their part. Yeah, even 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 when even when it's not even when it's not like I'm not fucking with Royce no more. They just slowly fade away, you know, because it it, you don't have anything in common anymore. You don't talk about the same things. They feel like you're different. Everything changes for the better for you. Sure, not so much for them. Yeah. Do you and Marshall relate on that that level of I've cleaned up and I've evolved? Yes, we've we had a time where we did relate on that level um, where we just talked about, you know, like being clean and, and recording and creating. Marshall goes through these things where only he can relate to himself. He's by far the most unique person I've ever met in my life. 
but even given your shared history and your town and your experiences, mm-hmm. there's a lot in common. He, yeah, but he, he's just got his own things about him. He's just got his own things. He goes dark. Like, he needs to be by himself sometimes. Is that hard to be, like, a friend? You know, like, when, when somebody is so off to themselves? Like, mm-hmm. how does your relationship change? Then it doesn't change. It doesn't change. I mean, this is... Like, does he always have to come back to you? Like, like, are you reaching out and then he just, like, needs time to... I know I know when I'm... If I'm reaching out to him a few times in a row and he's not answering, I know something is going on. He's working on an album because mm-hmm. he's very secretive. Oh, like, no, yeah, he, yeah. He's never forthcoming with information about what he's doing creatively. Mm-hmm. Even with you? I think he's superstitious. Yeah, even with me. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think as an MC, he wants to have a body of work to play me that I'm not prepared for. Mm. So he can get that reaction. I think he bases that reaction. He likes a surprise. Yes, but especially with certain people. Especially with certain people. He likes to surprise the people. But when it comes to me, even if we're in the studio together and we're working and we're going back and forth, we don't sit in the studio and listen to what each other is saying as we're rapping. We want to be surprised. So when we come in, and we just hearing what he's saying. Now we got to come right off of that without being prepared. It makes it funner. It makes yeah, the process sure. funner. Yeah. Are you then, do, do you, when you go to listen to a, a full project that he does mm-hmm. and he plays it for you for the first time in his studio, I imagine, or does he come to you? Not, or is well, it no, car? he doesn't. He, he's only been to my studio one time. I don't remember what he came for. I'm sure he'll never be back. <laughs> yeah. The socks I, in the corner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No, my studio is amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Fantastic. But I, um, when I go to his studio to listen to his projects, he always wants to sit. I don't know what this guy's problem is. <laughs> he wants to listen in his Explorer. He has an Explorer. Like a like a Ford Explorer. Like a 96? Yeah, like, it's not that old, but it's to me it is. Yeah. It's a CD player in it. Wow. This guy's crazy, do you, man. Do you burn your shit on a CD and then... He, do I or, burn my or, shit? Or, or, he sorry, burned sorry, his sorry, shit on the CD. Do you guys both sit in the front seat? <laughs> yeah. Or does one person sit in the back seat? Like an no, Uber driver? <laughs> no, he's driving, bro. Okay. He's driving. Uh, just like you guys singing he's his... playing <laughs> me his album, and we're driving figure eights around the area of his studio, just riding around like he's taking a driver's test? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he's playing, he's playing me brand new music with it turned up with no bass. I can't hear no bass. No bass? I'm like, yo, man, like, can you turn the bass up? Yeah. No, I, li- I like listening to it like this. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it because I can never give like a, I can't give an educate. I can't right. give an intelligent opinion on it. I'm like, can't we just listen on the big speakers? You don't like to listen to the speakers. <laughs> well, that's got to be weird when he links up a tray then. Because then it's only big speakers. Yo. Yeah, that's, I guess it's different, you know? Because you know, Dre's, Trey speakers hit like nothing Well, if he else, come right? to my studio, we listening on the big speakers. Okay, yeah, yeah that's probably yeah. why he don't come to my yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also that Eminem doesn't studio. leave his house. <laughs> he leaves his house. I've never seen him leave his house. He only sits in his house. Are you stalking him? I know. Yes. Yeah, you sound like you're outside. <laughs> <laughs> like binoculars. I've never, yeah. I've never, I've seen, never him. seen him leave his house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you're trying to paint a picture, but like He's the like, picture is you outside the house. I've never seen him leave his house. Like Jeff's like, you know, uh, he go to the yeah. movies. He go to the movies all the time. He loves movies. Have you guys been to the movies wait, wait. together? Does he have a, to, Does we, he have a theater in his home? He does. No, oh, all right. Yeah. So he doesn't leave his yeah, house, yeah, yeah. like I just said. He goes to the other the other movies, the ones outside. He do you have the, Do you have a theater in your house? No, I don't. Would you like one? Mr. Porter has one in his house. Yeah, and I'm a little jealous. I think I'm gonna get one soon. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Wait, what movies have you seen with Eminem? 
I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> do what? Eight Mile? Coco? Yeah, we went and seen Coco. Eight Mile together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there when he was shooting it. I, I don't know. We the the last movie we seen together, we were out on the road together, and I can't remember what it was because they always want to see these fucking weird movies. So I always end up like going to sleep or something. <laughs> it's like he likes watching just any kind of movies. I can't watch movies like that, man. I gotta really. Be, it's gotta be something I really want to see. Like, Which is what? I mean, like, like what? What is your like favorite movie? What's your Heat, Heat is one of my favorite movies. Mm, yeah. That's a classic to me. You know, I like the classics. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big, I can watch. If you if we could go to a movie theater, mm-hmm. rent out the theater, watch and just them. watch The Wire. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I love The Wire. Greatest thing that, greatest thing that ever happened to cinema. Wow. You don't agree? Um, it's taking you too long. Yeah, I guess I would disagree. Really? It, it is fantastic, what, but what, I don't know if it was the greatest. Really? What do you think? Y'all still no. my boys, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank Y'all you. Thank boys. you. <laughs> I'm like, have you seen Ace Ventura? <laughs> <laughs> I love Ace Ventura. I do love Ace Ventura. You got a point there. <laughs> Where were you when Marshall first got written up in the Source magazine by Riggs Morales? Where was I? Uh, geographically? Yeah. Like in do Detroit. You... In Detroit, me and him weren't speaking. Is that right? So yeah. what? So what did that moment mean to you? Was there like a well, were sense you, of... Were you not speaking because you guys... Were not friends at the time. Wait, or were when you, you said when he got written up by who? By Riggs. Oh, unsigned hype. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Benzino thing. No. no, no, okay. no, no. okay. Okay. Um, like I the was, original. Okay. Um, I can't remember where I was at. We were friends, right? We were cool. We weren't cool yet. Because I know I was a fan of Marshall locally before he got signed. Before got, we met each other, I was a fan. It's well, how, I mean, are, how are you a fan? He wasn't being playing the radio. I saw him. I saw him perform at the Ebony Showcase. And when I went to the uh, hip hop shop the first time, he's one of the people who I saw, and he just stuck out because he was a white guy. Yeah, sure. And he was. Were there other white nice. guys around? No, he was the one. There were a few other white guys, but they could not. They couldn't rap right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was like everybody that heard him rap. Like there was a <clears throat> there was a point in time where he was getting like booed certain places, so he couldn't he couldn't really perform outside of the hip-hop community in Detroit. They would boo him. So he he had a real hard time, like, breaking into the, you know what I'm saying? Like, into the fold of just the hip-hop community. Eminem, you know, barely getting, like, you know, the acceptance from some of his peers or people, like, you know, around in his city. And then New York City and the hip-hop Bible puts him on. I mean, that had to feel like, I'm sure, a win for all of you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, he got, he, he, um... He met some resistance in New York. You know what I mean? Like he used to travel around and do those battles. He didn't. They didn't always treat him so nice. Oh, down here, everywhere. The Lyricist Lounge and all those. The Lyricist Lounge was cool. Yeah, Lyricist Lounge was cool, but it was it was everywhere. Um, somebody that I'm cool with, um, big artist today. His manager. I remember when I played him. You can say the artist. I name. cannot. Oh. <laughs> when I played when I played his I played it for him and he was like, That shit garbage. Oh no, you can't say that. No, no, yeah, no, never mind. That. Yeah, yeah. He, that shit garbage. Get that shit out of here. That shit garbage. He whack. This is back then. Yeah. So he had a hard time. But uh hmm. you know it's like that sometimes. Like as soon as you find somebody, you know, credible to believe in you, um, to take a chance on you and you put your best foot forward, shit. Sky's the limit on what kind of greatness can be achieved. Were there any places that you would hang outside to like try and get noticed, like different like record shops or different labels? I mean, I guess you know you being in Detroit. Mm, no, nah. I mean the most I I did was uh just take meetings. 
take meetings. It was a short, um, it was like a short tenure that I had as just looking. Um, I started really rapping like after high school. And the first thing I did was go to the hip hop shop. Mm. And I rapped there one time and I got gonged. So that's what made me go to the Ebony Showcase. If it wasn't for the Ebony Showcase, I never would have even thrived. I never, because I was, I thought about stopping rapping when I got gonged at the hip hop shop. How quickly into your verse, song? A couple of lines. That, that quick? Well, it, this is how it was set up. It was like a big circle of MCs. You got Elzai. You got all of these killers, right? Elzai are, is the only one that was like my age. Everybody else was a little older than me. But Elzai was so good, man. It's too good. So like you had proof passing the mic around. You had DJ head up. In the, yeah, it was like a DJ booth, but it was hmm. elevated up in the air. Um, so you had to rap. If you get the mic, you got to rap and you got to say something to grab everybody quick enough. If not, then DJ Head puts on gong music and you got to pass the mic. And that's basically what happened to me. I ended up with it. I don't know what made me reach for it, that he gave it to me. I started saying one of my raps with the big words, mm-hmm. big vocabulary words that aren't being used in the proper context mm-hmm. just because they rhyme with each other. And that was not the right rap. <laughs> DJ Head, who's on LA radio now? Not that DJ Head. Oh, okay, got it. I was like, damn. That DJ Head is young. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this DJ Head is the DJ Head that was Marshall's DJ in the very beginning. Wow. Who ended up, when we went overseas for a tour, he met a girl over there and he ended up moving over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Who Kid told us that when Marshall would go out on these long yeah, you know, like Asian, Asian runs or whatever, yeah. there was a body double nicknamed partial mathers mm, i heard about that <laughs> i heard about i heard about partial that's that's pretty extraordinary mm-hmm. then he would do like walkthroughs and stuff yeah. like things that like marshall wouldn't do he, <laughs> he would, they would get like partial to do that yeah really yeah yeah okay yeah <laughs> I, I never was around for partial that's now that's when we weren't speaking got yeah. it i didn't go i wasn't a part of any of those stores oh, i heard right. about i've it. never seen partial mathers leave his house <laughs> <I've> n- <laughs> um what do you look for in a friend? Like, what is a good friend for you? Um, somebody who's loyal, respectful, and um, has integrity. Good heart. Do you need them to check in in a certain, like, way? Do you need them to text often or call or, like, see you in person or ask how your kids are doing? Or No, you don't have to necessarily ask about my kids. Or but... just to listen? It just depends on what kind of friend you you are. Um, yeah, it depends on it depends. I don't expect to hear from everybody every day. Certain people I talk to every day. Certain people I talk to from time to time, and and I have different like Marshall. I talk to <clears throat> there. There's like times where we talk every day, and then there's times where we go a while without talking, and then there's times when we're only seeing each other in the studio. Then there's times where we're only seeing each other when we're traveling together. It just depends on what's going on in our lives. And then somebody like Kino, who like we work together. So we we work, we deal with each other on a day to day. So I pretty much expect to hear from him every day. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Porter, Mr. Porter is probably my f- other friend who I talk to more so every day. Um, he has B room in my studio. So when he's not that helps. Yeah, 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 when he's not in my studio, he's working at his house. But we're. Creatively, I'm always talking to him about something. 
Um, but do you even like break down like just like yo, I was online for this like you know, whatever movie, or I was you know getting gas or something that you can just like crack a joke about and like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's we, we got a totally normal, yeah. normal yeah, relationship. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Me and Prem are like that too. Yeah. yeah. Me and Prem are like that. Me and Marshall are like that. Um, me and Marshall sit and talk about all types of stupid shit. Yeah. Um, I gotta have that kind of relationship with people in order to feel comfortable just sitting on the phone. I cannot sit on the phone with you. Would we you, can't. <laughs> would you Would you consider while you were in Slaughterhouse, or was or while Slaughterhouse was like all four of the classic members, mm-hmm. that you guys were friends? Yeah, and Definitely. that's what made it work. Um, in retrospect, yeah. In retrospect, yeah, we we. Well, wait, what did you think was making it work? If if not, well, when we started, we just all had this. We had um similar go similar goals as it pertained to the group you know and um we were like-minded in that way uh we didn't know each other so we grew cool during the process and i think that's what extended it you know what i mean like i really think that's like we got so cool because we spent so much time around each other um we had our arguments you know what i mean like we it was it was just it was cool so looking looking at that in retrospect and just kind of walking away from it we definitely were friends. When it didn't continue, did it hurt more that the friendship didn't continue or that the music wouldn't be made? It wasn't that kind of friendship. I know that's weird, but it wasn't like, oh, I didn't lost a friend, you know, because you date, all their numbers are the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I talked to Joel the other day. I talked to Crook all the time. I talked to Crook daily. Yeah. Um, Joe, I spoke to last night. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I knew there was going to come a point in time where guys were going to be doing other things, you know what I mean? And um, I knew as far as the slaughterhouse thing that there was a ceiling there because nobody's end goal or nobody's dream was to be the member of a group. Hmm. If anything, we took it further than what we had planned because we, we really had no long scheme, like agenda, you know what I'm saying? Like there was no like, What's our five-year plan? We weren't right. thinking like five years ahead. We were just like, oh, they like when we sit with each other and talk? Okay, <laughs> let's talk. Oh, let's let's rap. Let's make some. Let's make a mixtape. And then that turned into an album. We were literally doing Rock the Bells before we even did an album. You know? So we just were going with it. Yeah. Know? And we just kind of went with it until it, it started feeling forced. And then, you know, we moved on. Hmm. Do you... Do you understand how the fans feel like like that they were shortchanged yes i do i feel bad about that i feel bad about that is it does releasing unreleased music that slaughterhouse made require all four members to turn the key agree yeah depends on what music you're talking about if ice (laughs) ice ain't releasing shit did a big (laughs) dump of his entire Ice hard man, drive. Ice better not really shit of shit of mine. <laughs> what Ice is very good at, at editing too. So what if you took out all your verses? You better edit these balls. <laughs> no, just kidding. I mean, listen, listen. The the thing about the album with Shady is that you know it, the labels involved as well. You know we sure. got a relationship with them as well. Yeah. So that's how that goes. You know, um, it's not that you know we don't want them to hear it. It's just that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, like and. Who knows what you know? What can transpire in the future? Um, ownership is a big thing to us now. You know, little conversations get had here and there. You, you know, what? Whoever knows anything? Sure, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll 
Um, maybe maybe somebody will hear something. Maybe somebody, you know, who knows? Who knows? Feels like you're winking. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's a rapper who spent a lot of time in Detroit that doesn't actually live there? Jay Electronic. What was he doing? There? Like to this day? Does anybody ever know what he's been no, doing? No, and that's no. a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Jay Electronica um, is damn near a Detroiter. He's been coming to Detroit. He was used to be cool, real cool with Proof back in the day. Uh, he used to pretty much live with Mr. Porter. Um, they're like super tight. That's how I met. So you didn't see him a lot. I didn't see him a lot back then, but I seen him. I seen him. Um, you know, me and him had the same DJ. Um, he has a lot of Detroit people. Um, he goes to the mosque in Detroit. Farrakhan also spends a lot of time in Detroit. Hmm. But um, Farrakhan's not a rapper. <laughs> says who? Well, I mean, I guess he did squash the yeah. He's a he did the hip hop summit or whatever, right? Very very poignant. This is, this is oh, true. I agree. Yeah. So maybe um, he just needs a good producer. I can make fair some beats. <laughs> okay. I'll come up. I'll come up. Yeah. So Jay Electronica is like, he has like, he was like the last time he was in Detroit that that I seen him. He came actually. He came to my studio the day that Four 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 came up. Wow. We were in there like super late, just talking about like rap shit and just talking just major shit. You know what I'm saying? And um, he did you listen up, to that album together? Yes, yes. And he ended up. He actually, while we were listening to it, it was playing real loud, and he was like on his phone. And then he just like turned his phone around, and then he started panning around the room like this. And I happened to look, and it was fucking Jay Z just on his on his FaceTime. Like he was like, and then he ended up texting me like two weeks later. He was like, "Yo, man." Um, Jay told me to tell you, he was like, yo, was that the homie Royce that was in the room? From the club? Yeah. <laughs> From the who, walk of shame. Who I, let him, who I let him keep that booth that time? Yeah. He was like, yeah, that was Royce. He was like, oh, man, you didn't. why didn't you tell me, man? I didn't get to salute him properly, man. Please send him my, my love. And I was like, oh, man, that mean, that's why I love Jay-Z. Man. That's dope. That's All, really cool. Everything I've said about Jay-Z is dope. What I'm saying. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's really awesome of him to be like, It was yo. the inflections in your voice, though. You were like, now that's dope. No, no. Well, finally. <laughs> the we other shit. Yeah, we were waiting for a good Jay-Z story. All you've given us is trash so far. <laughs> but I think that, like, I was talking to my mom. Um, shout out to mom. Yep. Like, uh, probably, like, uh, three weeks ago or so. But mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about how there's different levels of friendship. Yeah. Because um, she was saying how everybody I describe, I'm like, well, that's my friend. Every, everybody's my friend. Okay. And so... Like when we were just talking about your friends and like what's a good friend and and all this stuff, like, is there much of a difference between you calling Jay Z your friend and then other friends? I don't call Jay Z a friend. I mean, he called you your homie. The homie. Mm. He used homie as like a um, right. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if I call somebody my friend. Jay Z would never be like, was that my friend Royce? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a very like you know yeah. bad Jay Z impression. Friend is, friend is, I mean, well, that's how he would have to be talking if he called yeah. me his friend, right? But yeah, we don't call each other friends unless it's like I'm talking about this guy or like you know um, your circle's tight. Porter, yeah, yeah, my circle's tight. My circle's tight, and I don't you know I don't throw that word around so loosely. Circle. Mm-hmm. I'm also not one of yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Except when you're doing the tootsie roll. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that circle was tight. That was tight. That was tight. That was tight. That was tight. You, that's a good one. You got me. You got me. You got me. You got me. Um, on this album, you go into depth about um, your relationship to your father. 
And it's interesting because I was listening back to the podcast that we did with you and Primo. And in it, there was a moment when you talked about coming to New York for the first time. Mm-hmm. And your father, who was looking for you to get a job, looking for you to sign up for the army, mm-hmm. looking for you to do anything but rap. Mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, drove you to the airport and put some money in your hand. Yeah, it was like 200, 200 and something dollars. And when Preem and Jeff and myself were like, that sounds really decent. Like, that's awesome. He must be so proud. Mm. You go, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. You're like, we, he doesn't really emote like that. You're like, he's not like the, I'm proud of you type. He's the, I'll punch you in the in the chest type. And... It, it it in listening to that it paints a, a different picture considering well that would that that was like his way like you know people speak through their actions sometimes and that was his way of supporting me and letting me know you know like he he said something um right before I was getting out the car like go get him or something something along those may not have been those words exactly but something something driving that sentiment home and you know he He's always got the proud dad moments. He just has his way of expressing it, you know, like rather it's him bragging at, at his job, you know. It's the same way you, we used to be. I used to be the same way about him, you know. My daddy will beat your daddy's ass. That was my thing that I always said, you know what I'm saying? My daddy is tougher than your daddy, and my daddy, it was always like that. Then they hit the gong. <laughs> and I'm still like that. I still, I still feel like my daddy, who's the superintendent of this building? My daddy will beat his ass. Our superintendent is six foot seven. I don't care. I'm just saying. Shout out to Mike. Yeah, shout out to Mike. Yeah, he is six. My foot daddy seven. is six foot seven mentally. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Five foot eight. No, nope. <laughs> he's about five ten. About five ten. What was your dad's relationship with his father? Um, probably the same as mine's and his. Yeah. Um, really close, but you got some stories. There's some stories there. So tough love is is what you know. Yep. Do you then? Pass it along to the next generation. Not as tough. Love, nonetheless. Not as tough, though. Does does your your becoming sober flip a switch or something, and and open up your eyes to different parenting techniques, or seeing what you've done in the past and sort of like breaking the cycle? Yeah, breaking the cycle in terms of uh, in terms of uh, maybe you reprimanded, like reprimanded him. From a physical perspective, or, or whatever. No, I would ask him. I would ask. I was telling you. I was telling you. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Reprimanding him from a physical perspective is a cycle that I decided to break even before I got sober. So when I got sober, um, I started having the desire to just evolve as a father. You know, I started wanting to do everything as a father a little better. And um, even though my son was starting, my oldest son was starting to get up there in age when that happened. I still got, you know, other other small children, you know, so he then becomes the guinea pig, you know, what yeah. I mean, just like a lot like how my big brother was, you know, what I mean, and um, I think that comes along with the territory with being a young parent. But um, the whole the whole um, physical physical thing that I, I missed that that skipped over me. You know, I had like one thing with my oldest son where um I believe when they turn 16, the boys, when they turn 16, well, when we turn 16, we we hit like this period where we get a little tough. Yeah. Testosterone. Mm-hmm. We plan, we plan with, we're active every day. We're playing sports. And we start to think that, you know, 
maybe we got a shot, yeah. you know? And I, I, I poked my chest out at my dad when I was 16 and he put me through a shower door. Mm. So my son did the same thing to me. And um, we had like a little thing. Never had, never had a problem out of him again. Never had a problem again. And that, it was just that one thing. And then now I got another son. He has autism though. Never have any problems out of him. He's just a genius. He's just running around being a genius. And then it's just my little girls. Mm. My little girls. I can't even. They just they order me around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't do anything I say. It's just you know I'm just at their mercy. Um, who did you play that song for? Which one? Hero. Uh, in my family. Yeah. Just my bro. Just my brothers. My brothers. Um, I didn't play it for my dad yet, but I'm sure he's heard it by now. Yeah. But you haven't had any discussion about it. No. No, we didn't have a discussion about it. Did it take a lot to include it on the album? No, not at all. Not at all. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. It wasn't even, when I went to write it, it wasn't even like I was, I felt like I needed to make up for something or like it, it wasn't like bad vibes and then like that. Me and my dad, we were cool. We no, were cool. It, it, felt like, it felt like you, listening to that song felt like you um, being at peace with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like the exactly. way off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, like just when I did the beat, it's just what the beat made me think of. So I just let it out, you know, but it wasn't like, I gotta figure out how to make a song and make this right. No, you know right, what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just like, so it was just like, even though I was bothered by some of the comments that got made, I mean, it's, it, I feel like it just kind of comes along with it. And I feel like you- um, Things like the internet says? No, there were comments that my dad made about um, Book of Ryan, about, about my last album. Got it, all right, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, you know, just just like when you're speaking your truth and other people can be involved in your truth, um, it can it can be perceived as you airing their shit out. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's something that you have to take in consideration as a creative. And um, I just learned that in the process. Can you get to be friends with your father? We've been friends. Yeah, but 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 more friends. Friends like Jay Z's a friend. No. <laughs> my dad is pretty. He's pretty up there. <laughs> pretty up there. He, my daddy, will beat Jay Z's ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, now that that uh, you have this project out, you're rapping on a as as high a level as you've ever rapped. I'm rapping as good as my daddy could fight. Your 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 mind is as clear as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Um. And slaughterhouse is as broken up as it's ever been. Are you? Do you do you find the way that they are able to express themselves, Crook and Joe, through podcasts, through open dialogue in a different form rather than just on beat? Does that appeal to you whatsoever? Appeal to me in terms of making making me think about doing it. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, in that. Maybe it's not a podcast. Maybe it's just like another way to put your art out there. It's definitely Use your voice. It's inspiring to watch. It's inspiring to watch, especially Joe. Crook is um Crook is still kind of new at it, but he's getting better and better each episode. Joe was just great at that shit. Yeah, yep. you know what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, it's inspiring to watch. Um, the process of making getting into production—that's my version. Yeah, you know, like I well I, I took to it like that before production. What was something? Because like you did say that you love like practicing something. You love getting good at something. Mm -hmm. What else had you gotten good at that like you just you know, picked up something and, and you were just like, well, this is like my new obsession. Um, I obsessed over the art of writing raps for a long time, just because there's so many different things involving rap writing that you can work on. Yeah. Production was the first thing outside of using a pen that, um, that I picked up like that. Prior to that, it was just, I focused on that and drinking. 
Yeah. You know? And I, I I got extremely good at drinking. You were so good at drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kick I kick drinkers ass. <laughs> Are there any memories that you wish that you had a fuller? I mean, you know, you talked about how you uh, approach Beyonce and you don't have like a full picture of that moment. Mm hmm. Are there any others that you're just like, man, I was drunk and I, I don't remember, like, and it was like a, a high point for you? Um, <laughs> it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be some conversation with somebody or something. Because I was like the best at that. I always would have conversations with people and just forget it and forget. Somebody would have to recant everything for me. Um, can you think of anything? Which time? I remember that too well. <laughs> I remember that too well. Um, it had to be some of the times um, being around Pharrell. Mm. I don't know if I valued those times like I should have, you know, because um, he used to drop so many jewels. Yep. He used to drop so many jewels, even at a young age. And he taught me so much. Um, I just wish I was just a little bit more dialed in. A little bit more dialed in. I could have pulled so much more out of that. You know, I could have, I could have learned so much more, and I could have applied so much more if I was just in the right headspace. But I, unfortunately, I was just getting into the game, and I thought I just, I thought I wanted to be famous. You know, yep. and I was just focused on, I was focused on smelling the roses before I even fucking grew the roses. Before I even planted the seeds, I was focused on just smelling, smelling the flowers. You know mm. what I'm saying? So, mm. well, I mean, well, did you? In hindsight, like, did you want to be famous? Like, do you want to be famous? Is that like a no? Yeah. I don't. I don't think being famous has anything to do with anything. I mean, it's just a byproduct of whatever. You know, it just comes. It comes with it. You can't really control the level of fame that it is. You have nowhere, no way of preparing for it. It's one of those things where you just got to make adjustments as you go. And um, it's not what's fun. The fame side is not the fun. No, shit. I think that the relationships you get from fame yeah, are yeah. the fun part. Like. Uh, we started a Patreon. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a, a crowdfunding thing. I and, know everything, bro. Yeah, I know. We've talked. <laughs> and I'm very impressed. And um, But I, I was FaceTiming all these people who, who contributed. Mm -hmm. And like getting to talk to them was mm -hmm. like the most fun I had ever had. Like, Success. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. Just I feel like, you. I yeah. feel the same way, man. The act, But the fame, um, people... Um, running up to you and giving you like a false sense of who you are. Yeah. That's not, that's not healthy for me, man. Mm. You know, like it's not healthy for me. I, I just like to keep things in the proper perspective. And I, um, I also learned that if you have like the mental wherewithal to be able to, 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 to accumulate a whole lot. Um, but then you also get to a point where success is subjective and you realize how much you need in order to for success, for you to feel successful, for the success to match to you. Yeah. Man, I just want as much as I need. That's it. I don't want more. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't I don't I don't shoot for like I don't shoot higher than I need to in terms of just energy. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to be more famous than I need to be. I don't want more money than I need. You know what I'm saying? Like just give me what I what I what I want. Yeah. I'm gonna take what I want, and that's it. I'll um, leave the rest for everybody else to fucking play around with. <laughs> um, how bad is your vision? It's pretty bad, bro. It's pretty pretty bad. Like wake up in the morning, can't see the clock. Bad. 
if I take these glasses off right now, I'm gonna be like that lady from fucking Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you can pretty much tell these are these are pretty they're thick. thick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're not bifocals in them. I'm not. No, no, no. But, but yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, um, when did you start wearing glasses? Um, I was supposed to wear them since middle school. I was supposed to wear them since middle school. I never did though. I never because you wanted to be cool. Yeah. And blind. <laughs> I thought I was cool. <laughs> So to middle school, <laughs> sound like my dad. So middle school, middle school all the way through high school, I never wore them, and then um, now you'll never see me without them. Yeah, um, I know that like buffs are really big in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your? Uh, I mean, talk about getting your first pair of buffs. Mm, I just got them. Um, there's no real story to them because I mean, I had I've been wearing I've been wearing Cardi's period man since. 98. You're currently wearing Gucci. <laughs> yeah, that's because I already did the car. But I already, he evolved, Jeff. Yeah, Listen, wow. Man, you're so, I, you want to know what? Your, your journey has been crazy. From, you're being facetious. From Cartier <laughs> to <laughs> Gucci. You come to, you come to Detroit. Yeah. You come to Detroit, I'll show you my glasses. All we, right, all right. Yeah. Funny guy. We just, yeah. just want to okay. come through to Detroit. Please do. We want to hang yeah. out with Jay Electronica. No, 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 no. I'm not. We want to ride around with Eminem if he ever leaves the house. He doesn't. In the Explorer. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm gonna show you my glasses collection at the studio and the one that I have. I got two glasses. Wow. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Royce, sincere congratulations on this new project. Thank congratulations you. on your entire journey to get this, to this point. We appreciate you sharing everything from, you know, Slaughterhouse to, uh, to M's house. You know? I wish I could share more of Slaughterhouse with you guys. Yeah. I, well, I, no, I no, feel no. like I somehow let you down. We'll just hit us. We'll, we'll hit ice. It'll be fine. Yeah. Hit ice up. Yeah. Hit ice up. <laughs> Drop that album and yeah. let me know the release date. <laughs> Yo, abolish ice. <laughs> but it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you for Always having me. Always great Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about us. I'm Eric with the curly hair. You are Jeff with the glasses. Together, we are It's The Real. No apostrophe. No space. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about what's going on with us. Where can they Go. You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. We have a lot of stuff on our website, but more importantly, go to patreon.com slash itsthereal. Support your boys over here. That's me and Eric. Oh, great. I'm glad that you established yeah, dramatic pause. Who people are supporting? What if people are looking for the real thing? women's talk show then definitely come to us because yeah. we seem to get a lot of their mail is it, yeah, is it is it syndicated it sure is it's in whatever market you're at at probably 10 a.m <laughs> sounds about right well jeff do you want to shout out any of the ladies for the real i want to shout out tamar <laughs> i want to shout out adrian bylon i want to shout out lonnie love <laughs> oh, big shout out to lonnie big shout out to lonnie i want to shout out the other two all right i want to shout out <laughs> All you guys for being you. Mm-hmm. I also want to shout out Amira Bessie for signing up for our Patreon. I want to shout out Lonnie Love for, shout- <laughs> for, for signing up for our Patreon. As always, guys, now for real, for real. Sure, sure. See you guys next week.